All right, good morning, everyone. We're gonna go ahead and get class. Pull him down, he's, we can we just be so embarrassing, can't we? We're just standing up, just kidding. <laughs> Are you guys UK fans too? All right, I'm from Lexington, so you know, I figured being connected to Kelsey there, we had something in common, all right. It is, it is good to see everybody for class this morning. We're going to go ahead and get started. Um, I had planned to teach class. Uh, Mr. Hedgepath, our principal over here, he, he was supposed to have to run back to his church, but some things freed up, and so he asked if he could teach class this morning as well. And so I appreciate his message this morning, so we're going to let him teach class. I was kind of waiting to see how the message went before we let him teach the class or not, but it, it went really well, so we'll go ahead and let him teach class as well. So I'll go ahead and turn it over to him. Thanks, Chad. Use, can I use the clip-on or just do that one? Check, check. Lapel's on. Okay. Um, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to look in there here in a second. I... I uh, we're still doing one service on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock at Heritage, and we are not yet into our classes. We're going to start those, attempt to start those with the logistics come December, so we're excited about that. But today we were supposed to have a family meeting at 1015, so you guys got me out of a family meeting. Um, I'd rather be teaching than have to sit there at a family meeting. So I want us to look in this. Uh, the topic today is, are you dating the church? Are you dating the church? I want you to think about your dating life back in the day. Some of us way back in the day. And what that was like. My wife, Shelly, and I have, will be married 20 years uh, in June and my wife was, we knew each other for 13 years before we got married. My wife was my sister's best friend. But when she was that age, as my sister's best friend, I thought Shelly had cooties. And, you know, she's your sister's friend. And that just, you know, I didn't like Shelly because I really didn't like my sister. So that was just kind of off the docket, right? Uh, but then Shelly, um, she's two years younger than me. I was a sophomore at Lipscomb, and Shelly showed up her freshman year at Lipscomb University, and Shelly looked very different then and um, attracted me, and we attracted each other. I don't know why on her part, but we attracted each other and started dating, and we dated for three more years, and were engaged for a year, and then got married um, when she graduated from college. I want you to think about your, your back in those days of those ooey-gooey feelings you get about your dating life and how you uh, met your husband or wife or how you're dating now or, or future thoughts of wanting to be with someone and what kind of your imagination dreams of what that looks like. I know at first when Shelly and I started dating, even though she was very attractive, I, I didn't want to get too close, right? 
because just in case this thing goes south, I want to be able to get out pretty quick, right? And not have too many ties and not create any kind of ugliness and just get just dramatic. Hopefully I'm not the only one in that boat. But we think about our dating, we at first are kind of like we are with worship that we talked about this morning. We, we do it, but we're very cautious of who we're around and what we tell them and how much information we give them about ourselves. And then over time, you grow to be stronger and committed to one another. But I think, unfortunately, too many of us are dating the church right now also. And it's kind of that situation where I don't really want to commit all the way to the church because I wonder if something happens or if something I don't like occurs. I want to kind of hold my, hold my distance until I fully know that this is the, this is the real deal. I want you to think about that personally in your own life. Are you dating the church? The church is meant to be a passionate encounter that you have. The church has nothing to do with this building. This building's nice. Y'all got a great building. I really like, when I came in, I guess about a year ago, when I started at Cole, came over here for um, a meeting, and it's been years since I've been in y'all's building, and the downstairs and the renovations and things you've done are absolutely wonderful. You have a great building, strong structure, but the church has nothing to do with this building. The church is you guys. You are what make up the passion that is here. If this place burned down, let's not hope that, but if this place burned down, that doesn't mean that Antioch Church of Christ disappears. It still means that you have a, the same passion the day before as the day after. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We did a little Old Testament this morning. Let's do some New Testament for class. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. And the church, you know, the church, Antioch, let's, let's talk about Antioch Church Christ, because you guys don't have to worry about any other churches, right? You just have to worry about Antioch Church Christ. Antioch Church of Christ was not formed by some individual's thought. It doesn't belong to the elders who serve here. The church that meets here at Antioch has a bigger purpose. And that, that is obvious in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's a great verse. Verse 4, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him. Y'all see the correlation there? between that Old Testament verse we talked about in the sermon and New Testament scripture that's here. It's not about what you did. It's about what Jesus did for you. That's what makes you holy, and God chose you because of that. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. God chose you. 
to be special. Verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. The church is God's idea. The church at Antioch, the Antioch Church of Christ, belongs to Jesus Christ. You all belong to Jesus Christ. You are the family of God himself. We're going to look at that here in just a second and what the significance of that is. So don't, don't be confused that, you know, Alfred Jones, I don't even know the, you know, I don't know the founding fathers of the church here at Antioch. Say Alfred Jones, you know, came together with a group of Christians and they founded the church. No, Jesus is the foundation of this church. He is what you're built upon. So when you think about church dating, sometimes people call it that when uh, they're looking for a church. Maybe you graduate from college and you move to another town and you then want to begin looking for a congregation, a family to join. Maybe you get married and you move to another town for your spouse and you start looking for a church. Or maybe you're a young professional, single, and you're just trying to find direction in your life. What do you do? You go and you might search out, you might church date what church might fit your needs. But we take that to another level, right? Are you dating the church? We see church daters by this. They're me-centered, right? First, our attitude toward church tends to be me-centered. We go for what we can get. Social interaction, programs, activities. The driving question is, what can the church do for me? A second sign of a church dater is being independent. We go to church because that's what Christians are supposed to do. See the link with what we talked about this morning? But we're careful to avoid getting involved too much, especially with people. We don't pay much attention to God's larger purpose for us as a vital part in our specific church family. So we go through the motions without really investing ourselves. You're asking yourself, am I dating the church? Do you have any of these tendencies? Also, the most essential, a church dater tends to be critical. We are short on allegiance and quick to find fault in our church. We treat church with a consumer mentality, looking for the best product for the best price on our Sunday morning. As a result, we're fickle and not invested for the long term, like a lover with a wandering eye, always on the hunt for something better. Are we dating the church? This author wrote this, and I thought it was um, good to read. He said, take my friend Nathan. He attended two churches on Sundays, one because he liked their music and the other because he liked the preaching. And his involvement in both went no deeper. At the first church, he'd slip out just before the last song wound down and drive to the other church five minutes away. He even factored in time to stop by McDonald's for an Egg McMuffin. 
He timed it so that he'd be walking into the second church just as the preacher started to preach. I guess you could say Nathan was two-timing. If you see yourself in any of these descriptions, I want you to hear from this former church dater. God has something better for you and me than dating the church. God has something better for you and me than dating the church. And we know that because life's bigger. Look in Ephesians chapter 6. Life is so much bigger than that innocent dating mentality that we sometimes have. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13. The church has so much more meaning and so much more purpose behind it than just us being fickle about it and not wanting to commit. Because this is what the church can do. Look in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Guys, we are in a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual warfare going on for your soul. Satan, the devil, has everybody else. Satan is not happy with you right now because you're sitting in this auditorium. You're soaking in the word of God. You're singing praises to God. You're praying to him. You are trying to commit your life to him. And Satan is not happy with you. He's got everybody else. He's got them right where he wants them. He is fighting for you. And he is going to throw everything he possibly can at you to get you to stumble and fall his way. Do we take that serious? There is a spiritual warfare between God and the devil himself over your soul. And yet we tend to want to just date the church. Well, when it's convenient for me, then I'll make it work. Or when it fits into my schedule... I'll make it work, right? We need each other. We're called to come together to encourage one another, to lift each other up. One of my former elders always said that Wednesday nights were his favorite time with his church family because he needed that time of encouragement. He needed to take, put his worldly job aside and to come together on a Wednesday night and just soak up that encouragement from his brothers and sisters. That's what the church is about. It's so much bigger than just dating the church. We need each other. Look in Ephesians chapter 2. What brings us all together? Ephesians 2, 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created the church through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church at Antioch Church of Christ. Jesus is your foundation as a family because of the sacrifice that he went through. You are saved by grace. You can't earn your way to heaven. You cannot check off enough boxes to get to heaven. Do we understand that? We are, we are not under the old law. Because there is no way that you could keep every Old Testament law. If you even had a master sheet of all of them, the most organized person in the world, had every single one of those laws printed out, hundreds of pages, and they made sure they checked off every single thing. If I check off every box, I'm going to heaven. It doesn't work that way. Grace plays a huge role. Because we can't do it by ourselves. We talked about that this morning. We cannot do it by ourselves. We need the blood of Jesus Christ. And guess what? It's been given to us. Jesus paid the price for us. He was that ultimate sacrifice. We don't have to build that monument in our backyards and, and sacrifice that lamb to wash away our sins. We don't have to do that because Jesus did that for us. And we come together as a family of God because of what Jesus did for us and we want to encourage each other when we come together. That's so much bigger. You're talking about sacrifices and, and commitment and sin and forgiveness. That is so much bigger than dating the church, right? The church is meant to be so much more than us just flirting with it. It's our lifeblood. It's who we are. It's where I go for help. It's where I go for celebration. It's where I go to encourage, get encouraged and to encourage others. Paul David Tripp writes this, Your life is much bigger than a good job, an understanding spouse, and non-delinquent kids. It is bigger than beautiful gardens, nice vacations, and fashionable clothes. In reality, you are part of something immense, something that began before you were born and will continue after you die. God is rescuing fallen humanity, transporting them into His kingdom, and progressively shaping them into His likeness. And He wants you to be a part of that. Do we think about that? Does the church mean that much to you? God is inviting you into his house. God longs for us. That's the whole point of the predestination. We fight over the word predestination. Predestination, when it's mentioned in the Bible, is God's longing for every soul to be with him. God wants everyone to be under his wing. He's not just choosing one, two, three people. He's choosing all of us. He wants all of us to be a part of him and his family. Turn to Ephesians 5. 
you think about dating, and then you, like Shelly, you date. We dated for three years, engaged for a year. So four years later, after we decided we wanted to start being with each other, you start thinking about what? Marriage. And at every good Church of Christ marriage ceremony, right? <laughs> this verse is always, read, is always read. But I think it fits into our theme, but I think it has a totally different meaning than what we intend for it to be in marriages, in wedding ceremonies. Ephesians chapter 5, 25 through 32. I'm going to skip the wives part. We're not going to point our fingers at you guys. Just us men, right? Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. How much does Jesus love the church? Does Jesus date the church? Let's hope not. Does Jesus date the church? How much does Jesus love the church? How much? He, what? He died for it. That's the thought. I hope, I hope this triggers something next time you go to a wedding, you hear this, you hear these verses. It talks about what, wives, and then it talks about husbands in verse 25. But the point is not, I don't think it's husbands and wives. I think the point is, husbands, you know how much you love your wives. You know how much you depend on them. You know how much you, you put them on a pedestal. You care, you love, you cherish them, even though we tend to treat people we love the most the worst don't we but you know how much you depend on them well what's the second part of that husbands love your wife you know how what that is just as christ also loved the church so you think about the love that you have for your wife that doesn't mean anything to the love that jesus has for the church it's even bigger why why does jesus love the church Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkles or anything, any such thing. That, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That's how God sees you. Through his blood. So husbands, verse 28, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh nor nourishes, nourishes or cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. We're not talking about husbands and wives. We're talking about Jesus and the church. Jesus sees you as holy and blameless because of the continuing washing away of your sins through his blood. And he sees the church in that way. And that's the whole reason in verse 31 of why it's important. It's time for you to separate from your parents' faith. And it's time for you to make your own faith and your own commitment to God. You know, it's time to stop dating the church. And it's time to really commit to that which is so much bigger. 
wrap up here. Let you out early. What does heaven see in the church? Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. This is, a, this is a really powerful section. If we were able to stand in the heavenly places with the angels and look down, what does heaven, what does the church look like from heaven's perspective? Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Ephesians 2, 19. Now therefore you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's how the angels see the church. Do you see, your, do you see each other in that way? You're not strangers to one another. But you're saints. Each one of you are saints. And you're members of the household of God. Do we understand that? Think about your household. Who's in your household? In my household, there's the Hedgepath household. So there's Chad, there's Shelly, there's Isaac, who's eight, and there's Enoch, who's seven. That's the, house, the Hedgepath household at 146 Barlow Drive. Now my boys gleam the benefit of being part of the Hedgepath household, don't they? They, I mean, trying to get them to do chores so is like a pulling teeth. So they really don't add to the household <laughs> to keep it orderly. But they get the benefit of being in the household of Chad and Shelley Hedgepath. They get the perks of that. Roof over their head, clothes that they need. Um, Halloween costumes that they asked for, food on the table, warm place to sleep, cool place in the summer. They get the benefits of the household of Chad and Shelley Hedgepath. You are in the household of God. You reap the benefits of the blessings that God puts on his own household. You belong to God. You are part of that house. Verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That's what Antioch Church of Christ is. Your church, not this building, your church, your family, you all are built on what the apostles and prophets, you're built on what Old Testament went through and did and established. They are your foundation. And Jesus Christ is that chief cornerstone. Without that chief cornerstone, the family of God at Heritage would fall apart, at Antioch would fall apart. Verse 21, In whom the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You are put together for a reason. There's a reason why you are at Antioch Church of Christ. You have to figure out that reason. And then you have to act on it. There's a reason why God put each one of you in this place. I strongly believe that. I strongly believe at Heritage, where I preach, have the opportunity to serve. I strongly believe our people are put together there for a reason. 
We have to encourage each other in knowing what our reason is and then us acting on it. We don't need, God didn't put pew sitters in churches. God put people in churches to serve in a very specific way. You have to find what your way is. Because you are the temple of God. Think about Old Testament temple. When, when were you able to come in the presence of God in Old Testament? When the temple was put together. And you have the Holy of Holies. And only a select few men could go into that Holy of Holies and be in the presence of God. We don't, that's no more. Who's that temple? Guess what? You are. You are the Holy of Holies, that most sacred space. You are the Holy of Holies. You, yourself, as an individual, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Verse 22, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. God lives in you through the Holy Spirit. You right now, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You know how much power you have? Untapped power. We don't depend on the Holy Spirit enough. Because we tend just to date the church. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Nothing can overcome you. Let's end with this writing. I think it's very appropriate. The author wrote here, I met a man who had been married over 25 years. As he told me about himself and his family, he reached out, he reached for his wallet. Let me show you a picture of my wife. My bride, he said excitedly. I, I half expected to see a worn photo of his wife from their wedding day. Instead, he handed me a recent picture of his wife, now in her 50s. I smiled with admiration. The man's obvious love for his wife was inspiring. She wasn't the old lady to him. Even the term wife didn't express all that she, that she was in his heart. After a quarter century of life together, she was still his bride. She still had his heart, his passion, and his affection. Jesus is at work every day making us beautiful. He chose us before the foundation of the world. He had us in mind as he hung dying on the cross. So many days have passed since then, but his passion hasn't dimmed. Jesus still calls us to be his bride. Let's commit to one another as a family of God to encourage and lift each other up and to be there for one another. Let's end with a prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time of study and at times we are so fearful of commitment and we ask your forgiveness. We do not want to date the church. We want to be a part of a vibrant and active church. We want to be right in the middle of that. We want to use our talents and to serve others. You have blessed us immensely. You have given us all skills and talents. And may we discover, may you open our eyes and our hearts and our ears to what our personal talent is. And may we use that to build the church up. We thank you for Jesus, because none of this would be possible without him. 
Thank you for the blood that was spilt for us, that it cleanses us each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a great day. Go tight.